0: It was a large, old reading room, in the basement of an old Victorian building, in an old village, in old New England. The room was a sea of dusty old wingback chairs, grouped in twos, facing round small tables. One could not walk a straight line from the double doors to the fireplace at the far end. A dozen people could be in the room and not see anyone else but the person opposite. This was the hometown of an obscure writer of short, weird fiction from the turn of the last century, and I thought these stories from original manuscripts would be a crowning addition to my thesis on transitional short fiction of the late 19th and early 20th century. It was to be my grand opus, and would cement my position as the rising star of the English department. But time was short. It had taken me hours to navigate the narrow country roads to get here. Why did these types of writers always live in such backwater places? I arrived in time to stick my foot in the door, just as the old maid librarian was closing it. After a few minutes of very picturesque begging and pleading, she showed me to the archive room, which was next to the reading room, and left, telling me to lock the door on my way out. After an hour of collecting material, I dragged it to the empty reading room and sat down to my study. I was tired and must have fallen asleep because suddenly I was shocked awake by a deep voice which seemed to come from a wingback chair on the other side of the room. These stories are much more interesting when they are heard rather than read, it said. Listen, and you'll hear what I mean. Here is a story about endings and beginnings, and a life well lived. The Snowman by Hans Christian Andersen It's so bitterly cold that my whole body crackles, said the snowman. This wind can really blow life into you. And how that glaring thing up there glares at me. He meant the sun. It was just setting. She won't make me blink. I'll hold on to the pieces. The pieces were two large triangular pieces of tile, which he had for eyes. His mouth was part of an old rake, hence he had teeth. He had been born among the triumphant shouts of the boys and welcomed by the jingling of sleigh bells and the crackling of whips from the passing sleighs. The sun went down, and the full moon rose, big and round, bright and beautiful, in the clear blue sky. Here she comes again from the other side, said the snowman, for he thought it was the sun showing itself again. Ah, I've cured her of staring all right, Now let her hang up there and shine so that I can see myself. If I only knew how to move from this place, I'd like so much to move. If I could, I'd slide along there on the ice the way I see the boys slide. But I don't know how to run. Away, away, barked the old watchdog. He was quite hoarse from the time when he was a house dog lying under the stove. The sun will teach you how to run. I saw your predecessor last winter, and before that his predecessor. Away, away, and away they all go. I don't understand you, friend, said the snowman. Is that thing up there going to teach me to run? He meant the moon. Why, she was running the last time I saw her a little while ago, and now she comes sneaking back from the other side. You don't know anything at all, replied the watchdog. But then, of course, you've just been put together. The one you are looking at now is called the moon, and the one who went away was the sun. She will come again tomorrow, and she will teach you to run down into the ditch. We're going to have a change of weather soon. I can feel it in my left hind leg. I have a pain in it. The weather's going to change. "'I don't understand him,' said the snowman to himself, "'but I have a feeling he's talking about something unpleasant. "'The one that stared at me and went away, whom he called the sun, "'is no friend of mine either. I can feel that.'" "'Away, away!' barked the watchdog, and then he walked around three times and crept into his kennel to sleep. "'The weather really did change.' Early next morning a thick damp mist lay over the whole countryside. At dawn a wind rose. It was icy cold. The frost set in hard, but when the sun rose, what a beautiful sight it was. The trees and bushes were covered with hoarfrost and looked like a forest of white coral, while every twig seemed smothered with glittering white flowers. The enormously many delicate branches that are concealed by the leaves in summer now appeared, every single one of them, and made a gleaming white lacework, so snowy white that a white radiance seemed to spring from every bough. The birch waved in the wind as if it had life, like the rest of the trees in summer. It was all wonderfully beautiful, and when the sun came out, how it all glittered and sparkled as if everything had been strewn with diamond dust, and big diamonds had been sprinkled on the snowy carpet of the earth. Or one could also imagine that countless little lights were gleaming, brighter even than the snow itself. It's wonderfully beautiful, said a young girl, who had come out into the garden with a young man. They stopped near the snowman and gazed at the flashing trees. "'Summer can't show us a lovelier sight,' she said, and her eyes sparkled with delight. "'And we can't have a fellow like this in summertime either,' the young man agreed as he pointed to the snowman. "'He's splendid!' The young girl laughed and nodded to the snowman, and then danced over the snow with her friend, over snow that crackled under their feet as though they were walking on starch. Who were those two? asked the snowman of the watchdog. You've been around this yard longer than I have. Do you know them? Of course I know them, said the watchdog. She pets me, and he once threw me a meat bone. I don't bite those two. But what are they supposed to be? asked the snowman. Sweethearts, replied the watchdog. They'll go to move into the same kennel some day and gnaw the same bone together. "'Away, away!' "'But are they as important as you and I?' asked the snowman. "'Why, they are members of the master's family,' said the watchdog. "'People certainly don't know very much if they were only born yesterday. "'I can tell that from you. "'Now I have age and knowledge. "'I know everybody here in the house, "'and I know a time when I didn't have to stand out here in the cold, "'fastened to a chain. "'Away, away!' The cold is lovely, said the snowman. But tell me, tell me, only don't rattle that chain. It makes me shiver inside when you do that. Away, away, barked the watchdog. They used to tell me I was a pretty little puppy when I lay in a velvet-covered chair up in the master's house or sat in the mistress's lap. They used to kiss me on the nose and wipe my paws with an embroidered handkerchief. They called me the handsomest little pupsy Wupsy. But then I grew too big for them to keep, so they gave me away to the housekeeper. That's how I came to live down here in the basement. You can look down into it from where you're standing. You can look right into the room where I was master, for that was what I was to the housekeeper. Of course, the place was inferior to that upstairs. But I was more comfortable there, and wasn't constantly grabbed and pulled about by the children, as I had been upstairs. I had just as good a food as ever, and much more of it. I had my own cushion. And then there was a stove, which was the finest thing in the world at this time of year. I crept right in under it so that I was out of the way. Ah, I still dream of that stove sometimes. Away! 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 "'Does a stove look so beautiful?' asked the snowman. "'Does it look like me?' "'It's just the opposite of you. "'It's black as coal and has a long neck and a brass stomach. "'It eats firewood so that fire spurts from its mouth. "'You must keep beside it or underneath it. "'It is very comfortable there. "'You must be able to see it through the window from where you're standing.' "'Then the snowman looked.' and he really saw a brightly polished thing with a brass stomach and fire glowing from the lower part of it. A very strange feeling swept over the snowman. He didn't know what it meant and couldn't understand it. But all people who aren't snowmen know that feeling. Why did you leave her? asked the snowman, for it seemed to him that the stove must be a female. How could you leave a place like that? I was compelled to, replied the watchdog. They turned me outside and chained me up here. You see, I had bitten the youngest of the master's children in the leg, because he had kicked away a bone I was gnawing. A bone for a bone, I always say. They didn't like that at all, and from that time I've been chained out here and have lost my voice. Don't you hear how hoarse I am? Away! Away! And that was the end of it but the snowman wasn't listening to him any longer. He kept peering in at the housekeeper's basement room, where the stove stood on its four iron legs, just about the same size as the snowman himself. "'What a strange crackling there is inside me!' he cried. "'I wonder if I'll ever get in there. That's an innocent wish, and our innocent wishes are sure to be fulfilled. It is my only wish, my biggest wish!' It would almost be unfair if it wasn't granted. I must get in and lean against her, even if I would have to break a window. You'll never get in there, said the watchdog, and if you go near that stove, you'll melt away. Away! I'm as good as gone anyway, replied the snowman. I think I'm breaking up. All day long the snowman stood looking in through the window. At twilight, the room grew still more inviting. A mild glow came from the stove, not like the moon or the sun either, but just like the glow of a stove when it has been well filled. Every time the room door was opened, the flames leaped out of the stove's mouth. This was a habit it had. The flame fell distinctly on the white face of the snowman and glowed ruddy on his breast. I can't stand it any longer, he cried. How beautiful she looks when she sticks out her tongue. The night was very long, but it didn't seem long to the snowman. He stood lost in his own pleasant thoughts, and they froze until they crackled. In the morning, the window panes of the basement room were covered with ice. They showed the most beautiful ice flowers that any snowman could desire, but they hid the stove. The window panes wouldn't thaw, so he couldn't see the stove. It creaked and it crackled. It was just the sort of weather a snowman would have most thoroughly enjoyed. But he didn't enjoy it. Indeed, how could he enjoy anything when he was so stove-sick? "'That's a terrible feeling for a snowman,' said the watchdog. "'I've also suffered from it myself, but I got over it. "'Away, away!' There's going to be a change in the weather. And there was a change in the weather. It began to thaw. The thaw increased and the snowman decreased. He never complained, and that's an infallible sign. One morning he collapsed. And behold, where he had stood, there was something like a broomstick sticking up from the ground. It was the pole the boys had built him around. Now I can understand why he had such an intense longing for the stove, said the watchdog. The snowman has had a stove rake in his body. That's what moved inside him. Now he has gotten over that, too. Away, away! And soon the winter was over, too. Away, away! barked the watchdog. But the little girls in the house sang, O oh, Woodruff, spring up, fresh and proud, round about. And willow tree, hang your woolen mittens out. Come, cuckoo and lark, come and sing. At February's close, we already have spring. Tweety-tweet, cuckoo, I am singing with you. Come out, dear sun, come often skies of blue. And nobody thought any more about the snowman. The End I must have fallen asleep again. The next thing I remember was the librarian's voice from the hall outside. That damn young fool didn't lock the door, it said. Times aren't what they used to be. I ducked low and crept out when she wasn't looking. The whole drive back, all I could think about were those marvelous stories. Such marvelous stories.